Welcome to Rethink, the Financial Advisor Podcast. My name is Adam Holtz. And this is Derek Notman. We are your hosts, both veteran advisors and fintech CEOs who challenge the status quo, question everything, and have fun doing it. Hear honest commentary on the challenges facing advisors today. And be part of a community where we can all rethink the profession. Now on to our episode. Derek, how do I attract the ideal clients? Hey, my man. Uh, Well, I think that's probably a pretty good question considering most advisors want ideal clients. So do you, yeah, let's talk about it. I'm not going to say unpack this because I always say I'm going to unpack this, but I just said it twice. What's the answer, man? How do you attract? It's got to be an easy answer, right? Everybody knows the answer, right? No, no, they don't. (laughs) That's why we're going to talk about it. Fine. So how? So I'll answer it as if you're asking me directly, because I think that's what you did. Is I attract clients by being what could be known as like what's a thought leader or a subject matter expert. That's how I attract clients. Well, this is we you know we've heard this a lot recently, and it's been intimidating to many advisors. This idea of being a thought leader. I mean, that sounds like a big deal. So what what is a subject matter expert? Why is it important? They're experts in a particular topic, area, type of person that they serve, whatever, right? It's, it's people that are, if, if you're looking for a problem, let's, let's use you know, like health medicine as, as an example. If you're looking for someone to help because you have uh, an ailment that you need an expert for, like your general practitioner says, yeah, I can't help you with that rash. You're going to have to go see somebody else. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you want to you know. expose on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you, you want to find the best person for you to solve those problems. We even talked about this with Michael Kitsis and, and his one quote about, you know, clients looking for the best advisor for them to solve their problems, right? So subject matter experts know how to solve the problems of a particular type of client better than anybody else. Right. At least that's the perception that we all have, yeah. which is that when I have a real, real difficult decision to make, which is either plan of care, as you mentioned, should I do the surgery? Should I not do the surgery? Should I get the chemo? Should I not? Right. When we're making very big decisions where there's a high cost of being wrong or there's complexity, we all seek the advice of a human who's lived through it before. This is literally in our bones from 100%. the decision process, whether it's yep. financial decisions or otherwise. So yeah. So subject matter experts clearly have a perceived awareness I say perceived because some people are such good marketers that they've created the appearance of being a subject matter expert when really they're a fantastic marketer. And the reason why I know that this is really important for all of us in the space is because we continue to see more democratization of financial services, more commoditization of this process that we have owned for a long time. And we know that humans are going to continue to search on Google for who can solve my problem. Right, they're looking through these technical terms or te- uh, tools to find the experts, not the generalists, not the generalists. No, what they, do you think that's going to mean? Well, it's going to mean a massive opportunity for those that become thought leaders, subject matter experts. Right, it's going to be massive because now they're going to be able to capture those people looking for help 
and like it's their reputation will precede them. Someone will search it, they'll find them, be like, oh man, this person knows exactly who I am and is going to easily be able to help me solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Where if they come across a generalist, you know, that does retirement planning, education planning, corporate benefits, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everything. Like they're like, well, this is a generalist. I don't think they can help me. I'm just not going to, you know, talk to them. So it's, it's a double edged sword for those generalists that want to stay generalists. Um, that's not a path I would want to be on because it's going to be harder and harder to grow your business if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I know. I, I t- we tend to talk about these things and ideas of where the market's going and try to figure out if we can predict the future. But I think one thing is pretty obvious, at least I'll speak for myself. One thing is, is that technology is making it a lot easier to, to get stuff, right? Whether it's the solutions that typically advisors have sold or charge a fee to manage, it's just getting easier and more convenient to execute right off one's phone today or right off their laptop. They can just buy it now. Um, what that means is that as we've been talking about uh, leading with advice, advice has to have context to the person who has the challenge, right? Whether it's income distribution planning or it's estate planning, or I've got to sell my business. I don't understand the tax implications and I could mess it up. So I don't want to, let me go to an expert. I'm willing to pay for it. What I, what I think is going to happen in the next two to three years, and it's interesting because McKenzie did a survey on this, which we shared a little while ago, that said by 2030, there was going to be a consolidation in the advice delivery market. And what was going to happen is that the bigger players were going to start winning more market share from those that were generalists, right? Because if, if the technology continues to expand the way it is, and by the way, we're almost perpetrators of this, right? Because we're both technologists. Mm-hmm. Also advisors by design, but we already see what's happening. And that's that the, the general easy problems, right? Managing money for retirement, the accumulation funding, this is kind of getting table stakes. And we think that technology is going to eat this marketplace up. You're not going to differentiate here. All right. Where you're going to differentiate is in this, this we'll call it complex, high cost of being wrong marketplace, which is, which is really where subject matter experts are going to be sought out. Right. So that's that's the real key is that within the next three years, you got to decide that you're going to be a thought leader, subject matter expert that people can seek out and look to verify the credibility of your ability to deliver advice and services. You're you're certainly going to have to. But what's interesting is like you say in the next three years, you're going to have to decide. Mm. Well, the decision can be done. Yeah. Like, okay, like a light switch. Yep. I'm doing it. But you don't become a thought leader or subject matter expert overnight, like a light switch, right? Like this is going to take time mm-hmm. to build up social credibility, to, to build up this awareness of who you are, to, to have others saying, Hey, Adam's really good at this. You should probably go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes time because people are, they're, they're kind of waiting in the wings a little bit, even like, so new advisors, right? Like, you know, they're, they're in six months, their friends and family are kind of watching from the side, like, eh, I don't know if Joe's going to make it. So I'm not going to invest my money with them just yet. Right. Very true. Uh, and so the same thing is going to happen as a thought leader. Like, are you a thought leader flash in the pan or are you making the whole Thanksgiving dinner? You know, what is it? It's true. Being a thought leader happens over a long period of time, all of a sudden. That's what happens. (laughs) That's great. That's a great, yeah, it's great. I mean, it it takes a long-term investment. Uh, And so I think to round this out, because we we can't just leave you with this, oh, doom and gloom. I'm not a thought, you know, I'm not known as a 
<laughs> thought leader. What do I do? What do I do? What do we do? Gosh, we're actually going to share with you. Actually, I think it's as many. We've we've written out all the different ways. And we're going to share that with you on this podcast. And we're going to also give you our guidance of what we did and what we learned and what you can actually go implement. So hopefully you've got your pencil or you're going to remember the notes. Or you're going to listen to this four or five times, or you're going to delegate it even better. Um, <laughs> right. You're going to offload it. Yes. Um, hopefully you'll be able to take some things here. I, I want to kind of leave you before we go into that is that this is really all about intentionality. Again, here we, we talked about in our prior podcast, intentionally creating an identity. Um, niching is going to be really important in becoming a subject matter expert. Cause as already you said, Derek, you can't become a thought leader expert in everything. Okay. That will take you forever. Okay. That's kind of silly. Um, it's not credible. It's not believable in many cases. And I think given the fact that people are going online and searching Yelp and looking for a five-star rating, you, you can't be a five-star rating generalist. Like, I mean, it doesn't work. You can't, I don't know. It doesn't really work. No. Um, so that's really important, but I think that we have to broadcast this and recognize the new environment that everybody's using, right? Everybody's using search to verify and to validate. Um, even for existing customers, they're looking for that kind of credentialing. Uh, and so I think those are going to be also important parts of this. Okay. So let's talk about some tools to help build thought leadership and subject matter expert. What do yeah. we call it? Yeah, Expert, I don't just like, these are tactics, these are strategies, yeah. these are things you can write down and go do. Uh, and we're going to throw a whole bunch at you here. Um, just get them down and then we'll have some strategy or su- suggestions moving forward here. But uh, you got some old school ones like, yeah. you know, referrals from clients, from other, you know, COIs type of stuff like. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can still do that and that can work. But heck, you can even digitize that to an extent. How do you do um, that? What do you mean? How do you take a client referral and make it digitized? Maybe not so much on a client side, but think about this from a COI side. As simple as even creating a an engagement pod in LinkedIn, for example. Mm. Don't create one with other advisors. Create one with an accountant, an attorney, or multiple of those people that all serve this, have the same ideal client niche specialty, right? That you all complement each other and now you're all helping each other. So that's a way you can, instead of going to those BNI networking events once a month, mm. right? Just Got jump it. in a pod, right? So um, I, I, I told an advisor about that this morning, like, hey, why don't you, why don't you go start this as a value add, right? This is a simple thing that can take you three minutes to set up. It's so easy. It's funny how you went right to social media. That's interesting. I mean, you so you spend so much time there. I could see why, and you know how effective that is. But I'm not sure everybody in the audience knows what an engagement pod is. So, do you want to share that? Yeah, it's as simple, folks. As you know, you have like the little chats, the DMs you can have with other people uh, in LinkedIn with your connections. You literally start a new chat and invite people that you want to have in there. It's that simple. You can name it whatever you want, right? And now what you literally do is with the five, 10 people, whoever you have in there, you literally drop links to your posts. So all of them are aware of it. And then you help engage with each other's posts, which helps drive the algorithm. It helps get stuff out there. Um, don't abuse it because LinkedIn's not a big fan of it. They don't publicly condone it, um, but it can work really well if you if you use it correctly. So that's what it okay. is. But So that's a way to get intentional likes and resharing of your social postings. That so that hopefully your your voice and your messaging, if you're doing social posting, by the way, 
uh, is getting to the uh, an expanded audience, right? So more people are hearing your voice and it's getting credible support from people they already follow or believe in, right? So that's that's kind of the idea. Well, yeah, so think about it. If if you if you do a post and then an expert attorney who also helps the same type of people comments on your post, yes, that's boosting your social credit and vice versa. Right? That's right. And yeah, that's that's right. So that's that is a definitely a long game, but it is a multiplier effect for any kind of social posting. The reason that I, I threw client referrals and professional referrals is because that's what's been we've been taught forever, right? Is to go back oh my, to our, yeah. whenever you want to grow your business, you you go to the people who already trust you, the people who I obviously are representing an ideal client, uh, and you try to replicate them. The challenge is, of course, that's really tough to scale and it's hard to get other of your clients to go out there and promote you, right? They're mm-hmm. not, they're not like writing letters or blogs about you. They're, they're not going to their friends and saying, Hey, do you need a financial advisor? Right. That's awkward. Now, granted, when they hear their friends saying, listen, I'm really, I'm dealing with this estate issue or this very niche problem. Who should I talk to? You hope that your clients and the professionals you're networked in actually will say, Oh, go and talk to Derek. Right. And maybe they'll yep. even introduce you. Yeah. We hope that's the case. But the reason I put it is the following. We all know if you've been in the business for any length of time, if you don't intentionally tell your clients that you're seeking new business and you want them to think of this, it goes in the back of their brain and they forget about it. Okay. Clients are not great marketers. They're not asking to be marketers unless you continue to promote that they help you. And we all know this is really effective, but quite honestly, most advisors just don't do it. So I put it here because it to remind you that it is a way for you to grow your, your preeminence within the ideal clients that you want. But what are some other ways for you to expand that and scale it, right? How do you know, we get five or 10 coming in a week instead of once every blue? Right. Real quick on the client piece. Here's another yeah. thought that I've never done this, but you could try this is literally go connect with all of your ideal clients you already have on social media, Facebook, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, whatever, and then create a ton of content on there. They're going to engage with it. They're probably friends with other people like them, right? Oh. So it's another way to get that out there. So just another thought. No, that's um, really smart. That's And that's easy to do, right? Oh, so that, easy to do, right? Yeah. And it's a nice way for you to stay top of mind and in front of your clients too, which makes them feel they're more connected to you than maybe they are. Yeah. Um, yeah but I mean, so many other tools. Like, so... There's some great public recognition, you know, awards that maybe you could get, or even like, you know, getting like a specialty certification for working with a certain type of person. Like there's like some special exit planning certifications mm-hmm. you can get for business owner, you know, type of situation. So stuff like that can be really helpful. That's right. I mean, we've all heard the word blog. It almost feels like it's like been beat to death. Um, but man. It is so powerful. It is so powerful if you do it right, because people will consume content and, and you know educational stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, well, I mean, we'll keep going here. What you can add to this? Well, list, I, I'm, I'm going to add. I'm going to add on before you like run through the whole list. And I, I, I can't open it. There's so much. I know <laughs> there is there is a lot to go through here, but I, I think if you don't mind, the the awards thing is an interesting thing. If you are getting awards, you need to socialize this. I think I think let's get this out of the way. There's probably no better tool today than what Derek and I have been using to communicate to an audience that wasn't asking, asked to be communicated with, but open to it other than LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. The, the reality is, is that for the non-business stuff, the real personal stuff, Facebook has been fantastic. The authenticity is great there. It's starting to become very authentic on LinkedIn. We're starting to see that kind of permeate the business side. 
we know we have a lot of B2B relationships that are constantly on LinkedIn all day long. We have whole relationships we've built this way. We promote these things and then other people celebrate that with us and it magnifies it. So if you are winning awards, if you've earned credentialing, if you have a certified divorce specialist, if you're a, mm-hmm. I work with senior advisors and I'm going to niche that environment, then you need to tell people and really talk about it and get that out there. So there, there's almost all of these have a social theme to them. Because it's been the biggest megaphone we've found of success. So making sure that you're telling people that you have skill in this area is critical to this whole concept of becoming a a thought leader. Yeah. And and do it in a way where, because some of you might be like, oh, I don't want to like push it on people. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, being cheesy or just all about me and I've got an ego. Celebrate something when you get an award. Celebrate that you just got your CFP certificate. Celebrate these things in a way where you're really proud of your achievement. And Oh, by the way, people are like, Oh, Jane is a certified divorce specialist. Huh? I'm going through a divorce. Huh? Right. Was that it? Was that anecdotal or is it, did you just, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. sorry. I was trying to trap you there. Yeah. No, my That's wife's fine. um, she's, she's around here somewhere. I know she is. <laughs> I just sort of opened the door. Just kidding. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you still have your ring on? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's too funny. Thanks for see. The, see oh, by, by the way, you're doing one of the lessons that we wanted to tell everybody, which is authenticity, right? Yeah. Authenticity has been, we've been hearing this again and again. What, what, what's your take on this one? Man, you, you just got to be you. I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks that I personally had to break through and I see a lot of others um, when it comes to creating content and social and all that is just, they think they have to almost be somebody else when they're going to go market themselves and, and do all the things we're talking about, we'll talk about. Mm. And the breakthrough for me was like, you know what? I just need to be me, man. I need to be authentic. I need to just, because people, let's face it, folks, you can tell a mile away if someone's just blowing smoke up your your, your hoo-ha here. You know, it's a, <laughs> we know. <laughs> um, you, maybe you can tell. I guess. <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, no, but I we agree. know, right? So just be yeah. you. Just be you and get comfortable with that. And and you will attract a tribe of people that, that appreciate and like that. Yeah, I think it, you know, we, we talk about this way too much, which is that nobody wants to be marketed to, but the reality is, is that we have to market to them, but they, yep. we want to market our authentic self, which is people want to work with other humans. They're fallible. They know we have foibles and we might not agree on everything, but, they, but I think that humanity is really connecting strangely, believe it or not, it's worked for a thousand years. Um, we need to, we need to make that more and more transparent. I think it's really interesting to see how fast our society is really adopting that. Um, which is, which is cool. What's the point of yeah. it? The point is stay authentic. Don't get me wrong. We should stay professional. Um, oh, yeah. you know, as appropriate as, as it is, we should, we should stay conscientious of, of other people's needs and so forth. But, um, but I think the true authentic voice has to come across because you're going to attract people that are like you. And as we tend to talk about it, your ideal clients are going to have some commonality to you, either through voice or opinion or, or ideals or values. Uh, exactly. And you want to be able to, you want to find that commonality fast. So whether you're doing blogs and, and I, we put this in order, we, we might want to actually just kind of throw out a couple of these things. Uh, and then maybe what we'll do is we'll say where we've had some successes or where we think there's some opportunity, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, so one of the things that we, so clearly blogs has some, has some opportunity. Video blogs are also really interesting today. If you're right, if you're still writing this list, um, social posting, we've already mentioned is really critical. 
you know, of those three, Derek, what do you, what's the takeaway if someone's going to commit to creating a blog to become a thought leader? Well, you got to get people to find the blog. All right. So this is, this is where your social posting is directly related to your blog content. Um, they actually can feed each other. So, like, I mean, blogs are, are long form, right? Really long form, right? To help answer specific questions and drive awareness and provide a ton of value. And that builds up that credibility, that authenticity we talked about, but people have to find it. Now, there is some organic stuff. So if you get super specific, like, you know, ask or solving a problem for a very, very specific situation, uh, whatever, you can get some good SEO on that, but you may or may not. So social posting is another way to drive that stuff over there. But what's also cool is that if you know what worked, if you had a post on social do really well, go write a blog about it and mm. just expand on it. And we've actually been doing that a little bit. It's, it's another thing you can call like skyscraper. It's called skyscraper uh, that? where you take one bit of content that did well, and then you can do all of these other sub pieces because of it video posts, blogs, on and on and on and on. Cause you already know it worked really well. That sounds uh, like a full-time to... job. I mean, I, I mean, but that's the thing. I have a I mean, team most... for that. I have a team for that, right? Team. Got it. That's well, there you go. That's right. So, so generating content. Um, I, I think what, look, we should kind of, what's the point of the blog? The blog is effectively like your newsletter of old, right? But it's also your opportunity to to talk about a topic. And hopefully you're talking consistently about the same topics that are driving yes. your perceived thought leadership or subject matter, at, you know, expertise. And that's the whole point, right? Is, is that your blog should support that premise. Okay. So uh, theoretically a good number of your blogs, if they're not just rants should be helpful to somebody who's got a problem because if the blog is written correctly and you've done your backlinking, which means that you've put a relevant, credible um, support or research links. And one of the things I think Kitsis does really well, if you look at his blog, I know somebody be great. It's got like Tons. 50 links to other content. Yeah. Well, Google knows that that's really valuable because, well, wow, it's linking back to all these other credible sources. So it increases the, the, the uh, we'll call it the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? the credibility of that piece. Therefore it ranks higher in the search engine optimization. Yeah. That, that's Why exactly that? it. Like this is valuable. There's valuable information here, right? right. And it's all related. So if you're going to write the blogs, one of the things that we thought about from a tips is you really got to pay attention to keyword consistency and basically, um, and also knowing who you're talking to and making sure that it's really relevant and useful. And there's a call to action, which means that there's another way to follow up or to take another, Oh, I want to read more. Oh, I want, I like this content that what I think is happening actually through blogs is that people have created their own channels of quote unquote, fake news. Okay. Why fake news? It's because the news that they're reading, that they're consuming in place of reading, let's say the newspaper is the information that they want to read about from the perspective that you as the author have. And so that you become very important as an ongoing voice in their ear, if you will, if you've got certain uh, subject matter expert roles, but that takes a long time, right? So you got to be consistent about doing a blog. It can't just be once in a blue moon. Yeah. I mean, I try on my connector blog, we try to put out one to two posts a week. Right. Wow. You know, we're just constantly cranking them out. Um, and, you know, that, well, I mean, it got us ranked number 37 out of 100 of top advisor websites. That's fantastic. Uh, right. Just because but it you took, did fake news. But it took two years. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Two years of fake news, man. She's nice. That's right. Well, there you go. Um, So yeah, but uh, that's where you say consistency, authenticity, knowing your 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 markets, your audience, all that good stuff. That's true. Um, Well, some of the interesting things that have come in, you know, we we, vlogs was something that was I think was going to be more important, but but vlogs is a video blog. Okay. And these are fantastic for authenticity because people actually get to see you, hear from you. It's almost like having a, a small uh, television program that you're producing on an ongoing basis. We've seen some really great ones. Other advisors like Jay Coulter has done a great job of creating video libraries. Uh, you can watch hours of his, of his content. I, we've tried to do that to some degree at Asset Map um, because we think that the, it is a lot of work. Um, and you have the right setup or else it doesn't look like you're really an expert. It looks like you're in, you know, didn't Jay just start uh, financialadvisor.tv? I think so. I am really looking forward to that yeah. because there's, he's going to be disseminating a whole bunch of content, an effort, no doubt, um, to do that and to do it consistently. But you can really create some amazing thought leadership if you can focus on a specific niche to your consumers um, and do that. So that's some, that's some good. You know, there's some other ones that we wrote down here. Uh, obviously, the newsletters still effectively work. They just don't have the same uh, kind of scale that uh, I think some of the social posts and blogs can have. Newsletters don't tend to get cataloged on, uh, on, on Google unless you're actually posting them intentionally and you're kind of getting that out there. So we, we tend to think that the most effective thing to write is a, is a blog and get your existing customers to follow it. Uh, post on it, create discussions, create interactions, because that multiplies the web of how it gets spread out there. So if you're kind of wondering how do these things go viral? Well, you write something that's got some real good merit and people forward it to their friends and they post it and then they send it out. And next thing you know, you have something that's seen by 10,000 people, right? That's 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 where you start to start building the, the start of your thought leadership. And the thing is, you're never going to know what piece will go viral. You just don't know. And that's why you have to cre- keep creating it because it, it could happen by complete accident. You just don't know. Uh, and that's okay. But if it does, like, okay, well, why did that work? That's you know, true. You got to look at it. Um, have you seen we, much success in the in kind of the, the PR side of it for advisors? Um, I think it can actually work. I think initially um, it's really tough to stand out because there are so many of us. Mm. Um, but I know personally, I have had some things more recently start to develop because I've just been so consistently creating content where now I'm being asked to be quoted in this or to do that, um, and so forth. So it can work, but that's like the super long game because you got to prove yourself with all the other stuff first. And then people Mm. will come back to you because if you're going to get an editor, whether it's LinkedIn or CNBC or Investopedia or whatever, if they're going to cite you, like they're kind of putting their own name on the line. So they're going to want to look to people who have all got amazing credibility and influence already. Yeah. Well, I assume I, you know, for years we had PR agencies and we worked with several of them. There's some fantastic ones that have been uh, in the space uh, for, um, for financial advisors. Marie Swift comes to mind. FICOM, Gregory FCA is also another really well-known organizations that, that people have used for, for, um, for a PR for financial advisors. The reality is, is that you're either paying to get ahead and get into the traditional media through a PR agency who's telling their contacts at the, at the Forbes and at Newsweek that you're a relevant expert, but I will tell you, it's a long game again. And, and, and you've created that thought leadership as well as we have, I think over the past couple of years that we're getting asked to now do that. 
why, you know, I, for those of you that are wondering, well, wait a minute, why is this really so important? I, we got to remind you, especially if you're jumping into the middle of this podcast, why is this important? You have to remember also that not only are new prospects and new individuals that might want to work with you as ideal customers are really looking into your social and public domain reputation before they oh, yeah, even talk to you. you. They're vetting you. Oh yeah. So are your own clients though. I mean, even mm-hmm. if a client gave a referral to their friend who knows, like if let's say you said, well, I, I need a, an estate planner and you asked me, you were talking about it. And I said, oh, you know what? I've got a great estate planner. Uh, Derek, you got to talk to Mary. She's in, uh, she's in Chicago, right? Before you pick up the phone and call Mary, you're going to start doing your own research. Now you might (laughs) Google her. You're going to check her on LinkedIn. You might check Yelp. You might like, you just see what comes up because you want to vet to get that confidence up front. And you're going to, and so the question is, and that we're addressing here is, do you have an intentionality around proving that there is public record support that you are in fact legit? You are a subject matter expert, right? That's like the whole point, I think. It totally is. And if there's a void there, uh-oh. Yeah, right. maybe they're not really that good. Yeah. And it, if, if a potential client is having that internal dialogue before they ever talk to you, that's bad. It stalls out. Well, they're not, they're going to still call another friend and they'll be like, exactly. who do you use? And maybe yeah. they get a response. Maybe they, and by the end of the time, if they're really desperate, they might just go on Google and they'll find the thought lighter expert who actually got themselves on the first 10 results of Google because they're trying to solve a pain point that might be immediate. And when they need to solve the pain and they have the time to focus on it, they're going to go solve it, whether you're present or not. And that's, and you can imagine what happens when, you know, the big companies get in there and start really owning the first page of Google and saying that they're the expert and you have no presence on page 85 of Google. (laughs) You're not getting that business. You're going to find it very hard to fight for that. Well, um, what's interesting, what you're saying here, though, is so a lot of the big companies pay to be at the top, right? Yeah. Here's how you fight against your competition. Here's how you fight against the big ad spend budgets. You become a thought leader. That's, That's how you do it, right? Because organically, people are going to come across your stuff. That's what's so cool. Well, too, by, by the way, if you do get a referral or you do do some other form of you know, somebody finds you, they're just going to Google your name, which hopefully you own that, right? You're going to yeah, own right. that through organic, right? So if I typed in Derek Notman, I, I mean, I, you will probably come up first. So I don't have to, I won't get lost looking for you. And that's right. one of the bigger problems is, right? So there's an Adam Holt, like there's a, there's a musician named Adam Holt. There's a, there's a whole bunch of other Adam Holt's, right? I don't know. I thought I've never met another mind in life, but supposedly when you Google this, but I do, because I have so much content out there, you're gonna people don't get lost yeah. when they're looking for me, right? Exactly. And by the way, what happens when they get lost? They wind up at a different restaurant. And then I was going to go to get sushi, but I saw this great hot dog stand. Yeah, I'm just going to stop here. I'm tired of looking. Ah, where is this Kids place? are complaining. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. And that's really, I mean, yes, we're literally at that level of convenience. Let's round out a couple more of these things, and then let's give them our tips and our takeaways. Um, I, one of the things I, I thought was really kind of interesting podcast has been an interesting model, especially for us. Clearly, you know, that we've been doing this. Um, we actually, this is one of those tougher things for most financial advisors to get involved in usually because of the compliance aspects, but there have been really great innovations here. Proudmouth is who we actually went to. They've been supporting our, our growth in the podcast. There are outlets that understand the financial advisor voice. And if yeah. this is something you really have to commit to, clearly we know this well now, uh, even <laughs> when it's difficult, you've got a travel schedule, you're trying to do a podcast. 
Um, it's something you got to have a passion for in your voice. I think that was important. But we've also gotten introduced recently to um, the Alexa space and and basically the whole uh, in your house uh, speaker response system. And we've been recently connected with Wealth Voice. Uh, we're going to be using them actually to create Alexa snippets. Another way for you to get your voice out there and preeminence uh, where there's where it's a real blue ocean. I, I I don't know if you have any feeling on this stuff, but I think, I think it's fascinating. Really- like we have three Alexas in our house, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do use them for all types of random questions. Um, so if I'm doing that, or if my son is asking like, uh, you know, what's some cool old school rap to listen to, then we know other people are asking all sorts <laughs> of stuff, right? <laughs> well, could you, well, by the way, with 120 million household, well, you know, people in, in the States using Alexa or some kind of voice enabled, how many do you think of asking uh, Alexa, who is an expert in, um, uh, let's say, retirement distribution planning in my area? What do you think it's going to do? It's, it's going to give look- them a name. Is it totally your name? right? <laughs> totally right. right? And we and you can name? own that space just you like can you can own, own that like that blog. You can own a blog, right? It's true. But that only happens if you're intentional, isn't that? But think about how easy. There's only 120 million million people that might actually have that question. There's probably probably a thousand people ask that question. Right. Are they finding you? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Let's talk about some tips here and um and then let's jump to our pieces here. So yeah. I think number one is consistency. What do you think? Totally a commitment to be consistent. Right. That's that's what it is. You have to you have to show up every day to keep doing this. Don't try it one or two times, not get a whole lot of results and give up. Even if you go back to the cold calling days or knocking on doors, if you stopped picking up the phone or knocking on doors, it just didn't work, right? It's the same <laughs> thing here. <laughs> it's true. Consistency right? is really important. And so it's, it is, important. it's a commitment. Um, and what, what, what specifically is a commitment? It's a commitment to go and create a, a persona for yourself that you are a thought leader in a specific area. And that's why it's really critical. You're going to have to be authentic about it, but you, to build a credible voice, you got to know who you're talking to. That means- who is the audience you're trying to connect to? Again, not everybody, okay? Not generalist. Yeah. Who specifically am I a subject matter expert to? As you mentioned it before. I do retirement distribution planning for, for Philadelphia police officers, right? Very I do, specific, yeah. I work with business owners, family-owned businesses that have a um, that have kids in the business and a significant amount of real estate or whatever, okay? You got to come up with that. And then your content generation is about that consistently so that there is so much credibility when someone's seeking you, they find not one article, they find 10 articles and they're like, wow, this person knows their stuff. I'm not reading all this. I'm just going to call them and set up a meeting. Yeah, here's my problem. Fix it. (laughs) Exactly. By the way, the people who will always solve their own problems will always solve their own problems. They're not going to call an advisor. That's okay to help the masses. All right. It's for the people who say, you know what? I'm not doing this on my own. (laughs) Okay. Exactly. They're the ones that are going to want to pay you anyway. So those other ones are not, they're just going to use your information. It's okay to give to the public domain uh, content and ideas, but that's how you build this credibility. Yeah, Because one of the people that's a DIYer that reads it might not want your help, but their brother might need your help. Be like, Hey, go talk to this guy. I'm doing it myself because that's what I do, but you don't. So go use them. Right. Well, or eventually they get in a pickle and then they're like, okay, I pushed, I tried to do this too much. It's yeah, like you know, putting together Ikea furniture. Like eventually I'm like, <laughs> can I call somebody? Oh I, my God. 
Well, maybe not Ikea. They, they have good directions, but uh, uh, you get the idea. Sometimes yeah. I try to do too much myself and then I'm like, okay, call the plumber. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I kind of overdid this one. <laughs> um, you know, look, we, we mentioned a couple of things here. Newsjacking came up in our, in our brainstorm on this one. Newsjacking, like your, what did you call it? The, the sky tower? What did you call it? Oh, yeah. Skyscraper type of thing. Skyscraper. Like, What's newsjacking? Go where there's something already trending. Mm. Right. So even in LinkedIn, it's got that one thing on the kind of the right hand side when you're on your feed and it, it says what's trending. Try creating content around that if you have an opinion and good comp like good content that you can that still speaks to your audience. But now more and more people will get picked up on that. So it's it's and sometimes like they'll be you'll be featured. I've been getting featured on stuff like that on LinkedIn lately, especially. And so it can really work well. Um, you just have to be kind of aware and present of of what's going on so i love that i mean again that, that might be a little bit more like if you're not even doing social media posts don't worry about news jacking yet just know that it's coming yeah well let's wrap this up so what did derek do people need to decide to do research delegate uh to take away from this yeah i mean we talked about a ton there and we could talk about a lot more so don't don't get overwhelmed folks pick one or two things and places that you can just go start creating content to be that thought leader that subject matter expert and then use that skyscraper approach as you go out. Maybe you had a great post on LinkedIn. We'll go write a blog post about it now or do a video, right? Mm-hmm. Create an ebook around it, whatever. Um, so you can go like that. But just start in one or two places and start. Be consistent. It's going to take time, but anything worth doing does take time. That's just how it is. So don't show up once and give up. Keep going and going and going. Um, and there's going to be some pretty cool opportunities that are going to come up that you're never even going to realize are there until they happen. So just have an open mind. And sometimes you might have to pivot with the type of client you're going to work on or work towards working with or the type of content you're creating. So those are my three tidbits. Adam, mm-hmm. what would you say is some advisors should be thinking about here? Well, I think, you know, you hear all this stuff and you get it. And, and I agree. It's, it is overwhelming. I think the first thing is to decide. Uh, that it's either important to be a subject matter expert or it's not. Sometimes there is some actual attraction to mystery, which means nobody can figure out what you do. And you like, you reserve it and it's like a secret <laughs> society. And I, right. and that can work in a very, very niche exclusive it can. It crowd. Can. And we did that in our practice for many years. I call that the non-marketing marketing, right? Which is nobody's going to know what we do until we meet them and shake their hand. And then we're going to tell them and maybe we'll allow them to come in. And that really worked at the high, ultra high net worth because- they didn't That's want you working want, yeah. with the general public. That being said, that, that only works in a certain, you know, very specific market. I, I think um, the key is, is that you just got to remember here that preeminence is not neutral. In other words, you're either preeminent or you're not preeminent. Okay. There's nothing in between. And my coach told me that uh, years ago and it's stuck with me. And why it's important is that if you don't create preeminence, then nobody knows that you're not not preeminent. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. They just assume that there is no preeminence. You're not a subject matter expert unless you go out there and prove it, or the media is asking for your opinion exactly. about every single thing. But how do they find out about you? You had to start somewhere. So how do you create that credibility? You got to create it. You got to do your niche. Uh, know your niche. Um, find out what their real wounds are, and then talk about their pain points all the time. Talk about the pain. Okay. People do more to solve the problem than they will to fix it. They are really kind of focused on, uh, do these, does this advisor really understand my pain? Uh, and again, you can do it, do it consistently. Even if it's quarterly, just get in the habit of doing it or delegate it. And that's one of the things. So uh, hopefully that's valuable to you. 
uh, as as our tradition has been for the past several episodes, we've always taken a question uh, from the audience. This one came in from Randy in Chicago via email. He said, uh, Derek and Adam, will you talk about retirement income certainty and how that market is evolving on your next podcast? Yes. Yes, we will. Randy, thank you. We will send you a shirt <laughs> just for that. Just for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this good. is interesting. We'll probably want to rope in uh, an expert on this one. Yeah. Um, do that. But uh, it's definitely top of mind given how many people are retiring. But again, we're going to rethink this even. We're going to come at it from a sideways angle. Yeah, that's the way to come yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, why not make it more complicated? So, um, <laughs> with that, I think uh, let's close this podcast and let's thank everybody for uh, participating and listening. Hopefully, you learned something that you can take away. Maybe you need to go listen to this one again, or you need to reach out to us on LinkedIn and uh, through the different ways you can get us and start a conversation, ask questions, maybe start your own thought leadership if you have an opinion about this stuff. Um, and just here's a fun call to action go. Go write a post on LinkedIn and tag us in it. There you go. It's simple. It's easy. It's a great way to get started. We'll help you push your message out. There it is. See, look at that. You're already winning. Thank you, Derek. I will see and hear you on the next podcast. Sounds good, Adam. All the best to you, my man. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Rethink, the financial advisor podcast with Holt and Notman. Be sure to subscribe now and join the ongoing conversation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Asset Map or Connector. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.